listening to From the Friars podcast, the community of Franciscan Friars of the Renewal, headquartered in the Bronx, New York City. My brothers and sisters, may the Lord give you peace. Amen. Good morning. Um, I had Mass in Hackettstown last night, and uh, this was the weekend where the deacons preach, and I was really happy to hear the deacon give the homily, because the, the readings are kind of challenging here, and um, so whenever we go to church, obviously, we, we come here to pray, to worship God, we come to, you know, be fed spiritually, and to, um, yeah, to, to come close to God, right? That's why we're here. And I, I certainly have heard many people tell me stories. Um, I wish I had a dollar for every time I heard this story. Uh, memories of growing up Catholic, hearing about hell all the time, and kind of being threatened, and people's experience of religion as this kind of place where you go to get, you know, scared into being good and being threatened with hell. And, you know, I wish I had a dollar for every time I've heard people tell me those stories. Um, and um, certainly in some places that probably was true. I know even my own dad growing up Baptist, I have a Baptist side of my family and, and you know, there's these stories of just kind of the way the gospel was being preached, um, the message of Jesus being proclaimed to people in a way, it's a big emphasis on punishment and hell and sin and you know, you better repent or else, okay. And for, uh, for many people, that kind of approach maybe doesn't really help, you know. And then if you want to use the famous analogy of the swinging pendulum, you know, I certainly think nowadays it's more probable that we have an experience of like the opposite idea that nobody goes to hell. There is, you know, and God loves everybody and everybody's, da, 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 you know, that kind of thing. And uh, I think if you take a moment to think and pray about the topic, uh, probably it's, it becomes clear that maybe both approaches are really the wrong way. And as is with the case in so many other topics, you know, we try to go right down the middle, right? Not too extreme this way or that way. And so today's uh, reading is one of those passages. Actually, there are many passages where the Lord Jesus himself clearly teaches that there is a hell and that there are people who go there. And I'll never forget when I was in my classwork for my doctorate, um, one of my professors had a theory that one of the reasons why uh, the church isn't doing so well, you know, and you do statistics on how many people are now going to church or getting baptized or getting married, it seems like things are, are not so good right now. We've got to be honest about that statistically. And he felt, this professor felt that, well, one of the big reasons why is because of this heresy that nobody goes to hell, everybody's going to heaven. It's really taken hold for a lot of people and so if you think of, if that was true, well then, does it matter if you go to church or not? No. Does it matter if you evangelize and try to bring people to Jesus or not? No. It, it actually doesn't matter. And uh, so this professor, this was his thing. So anyways, in that class, I did a paper on hell. <laughs> Can you imagine? And uh, so the paper was due um, the day after my birthday. And I'm one of those like last minute people who say pressure produces diamonds, right? So on my birthday, I'm like, how is this happening? That on my birthday, I am writing this paper on hell. And um, it, was, uh, it was such a great experience, as odd as that may sound, to, to take a moment to look and to study and to um, 
to ponder what, what the Bible says, what the church teaches. And um, there are a couple of great takeaways which I'd like to share with you this morning. Um, you know, I'm the chaplain up at the uh, Blue Army Shrine, Our Lady of Fatima, just up the hill. And uh, one of the moments in the Fatima story is that the Virgin Mary allowed the children to see a vision of hell. <laughs> like little children, like why would God do that? And um, Mother Mary said, you've seen hell where sinners go. There's nobody to pray or make sacrifices for them. And after having that vision of hell, the children, according to their family and friends, the children were kind of different. And uh, they were a lot more focused and serious, and they were making prayers and um, spiritual sacrifices for sinners. And then there's that prayer that Mother Mary asked us to pray at the end of each decade of the rosary. And this comes from Fatima. Oh, my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, lead all souls to heaven, especially those who are most need of your mercy. Um, so a couple of takeaways that uh, I think could be really helpful, and then I have two prayer images to maybe ponder, but to note that what I'm about to say is coming right out of the catechism. This is my copy of the catechism. So well done, oh, the catechism. And uh, there is a, a couple of pages on hell. It's paragraph 1033 and following. You uh, have a copy, get it out and read it. If you don't have a copy, get a copy, or you can just, it's for free on the internet, you can just Google it. But 1033 and following, and uh, it's just a couple of pages actually, and it, and it gives you all the scripture references and kind of clarifies a few key things. So one quote, and then I'm gonna give you some prayer images. Uh, this is the Catechism 1036. The affirmation of sacred scripture and the teaching of the church on the subject of hell are a call to responsibility incumbent upon man to make use of his freedom in view of his eternal destiny. There are at the same time an urgent call to conversion. And then here's a quote from Jesus, enter by the narrow gate. The gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few." Unquote. Since we know neither the day nor the hour, we should follow the advice of the Lord and watch constantly so that when the single course of our earthly life is completed, we may merit to enter with him into the marriage feast and be numbered among the blessed and not like the wicked and slothful servants be ordered to depart into the eternal fire, into the outer darkness where men will weep and gnash their teeth. God predestines no one to go to hell. For this, a willful turning away from God, a mortal sin, is necessary, and persistence in it until the end. So a couple of key takeaways there. God doesn't create anybody it's like, you're destined to go to hell. This is why I created you. That's a heresy. So God creates everybody for heaven. And, and here's a, a consoling thought. God gives the grace that's needed, to every grace that every person needs to get to heaven. God gives it. That's consoling, huh? And, and that message is so very clear in many passages of the Bible, the Gospel of John. You know, God so loved the world that he sent his only son to save us. Jesus said, I've come not to condemn the world, but to save the world. Um, so this is beautiful. Um, so if God loves everybody and God creates everybody for heaven and God gives everybody the graces they need to get to heaven, how could there be a hell? Well, 
it has to do with, and you probably caught it in the quote, it has to do with free will. That God has given us free will, and the free will that we have is one way that we're like God because God is supremely free, right? We're in his image and likeness, so there are things about God that are in us, and that's one of them, free will. And with the gift of free will, we have the ability to love. We have the ability to choose what is good, what is holy, what is, what is loving. And that's why we're here. <laughs> it really is that simple. But that same free will, if it's truly free, is also, it makes it possible that we could misuse the free will and we could choose things that are not love. We could choose sin. We can choose evil. And we all do, right? Because of our fallen human nature. So with our sin, we have free will to repent. God wants to forgive us, and he offers us the mercy, the forgiveness. That's one of the greatest messages of Christianity, that God loves us. And he, but to, to receive the forgiveness is not that we're earning the forgiveness. It's already there, but to receive it, it requires us to repent, to be humble, to, to say, Lord, I'm sorry. I accept the, the forgiveness you're offering me. And evidently, that is one of the key points that's not there for some people. And that's what we mean when we say you die in the, case, in the state of mortal sin. So two prayer images, both of which come from the Bible. Um, so as I was studying and doing this paper, um, one of the prayer images I came across was pottery. So in the Bible, there's a number of passages that make reference to God being like the potter and us being like the clay. You can imagine how pottery works, right? There's the potter's wheel, and then there's the clay, and the clay is soft, and it can be formed and you add water and moisture and there's the working of the clay but then at some point the the uh, the object has to come off of the potter's wheel and then where does it go it goes into the kiln right where it is fired and we know the bible uses the image of fire as the judgment of god and what the fire does to the object is that it becomes what it is so after it goes into the kiln and then it comes out it's no longer changeable, right? And evidently, there's something like that at the moment of death. Up until the moment of death, we're on the potter's wheel. But at the moment of death, there is that judgment of God. There's the accountability that we offer, and there's somehow passing through fire, the fire of God's love, the fire that purifies everything that is not good, that is not love, and you are who you are. And so at the moment of your death, the state of your soul is the state that you are as you enter into the other side. And um, that's kind of an image. I like it because we know that planet Earth spins like a potter's wheel. And I was thinking of the, the hands that, that form the clay. One hand is the hand of God. The other hand is your own hand, right? That through the gift of free will, the choices we make that between God's grace and between our own free will, these are the hands that are forming the clay, which is us. And we've been told that there's a moment when you will go into the kiln. So get ready for that moment now, you know. So that's one image. And the other image has to do with Jesus making reference to a door. And the door to get into heaven, evidently, in the words of Jesus, is narrow and difficult. And he says, he makes reference to being strong. Did you catch that? You know, that you would be strong enough to go through that door. And um, that got me thinking of... Um, well, it got me thinking about how the body works. You know how the body works? Like if you just sit on the couch and do nothing, your body <laughs> becomes weak and flabby, right? But you know, you just do basic, simple exercise 
the, the, it's interesting, the body, the way muscles work, if you use them, they kind of strengthen, right? Anybody been through physical therapy, or, you know? You know, it's like you broke a leg and you didn't walk on it for a while, it becomes super weak, but then you got to work it and then as you use it, there must be an analogy to the soul, that through prayer, through um, cooperating with God's grace, through doing ministry or gestures of love, you know, works of mercy, it has the capacity to somehow strengthen the soul so that when the, the, our judgment comes at death, we will have this strength we need to get through that door. Um, I know in other passages in the Bible, the, um, the theme of being strong has to do with humility. And there's a number of passages that, that kind of draw that connection, like to be spiritually strong is the person who has obtained the virtue of humility. And humility is a, a virtue that grows through, you know, being humbled, <laughs> praying. And uh, the strength that we need to open that door to get into heaven is the strength of humility, of holiness, of grace, of virtue. And um, just as the, the, the details that help a body grow strong, so the details that help a soul go strong, strong in virtue, strong in humility, the Lord um, has thought that it was important that we know this. You know, not, and again, not in a way that's threatening to try to scare us into being good, but rather, as it says in the Catechism, an appeal to our responsibility, that life is a gift and that we have this gift that we've been given and every day we have choices we can make, you know, to, to what, what we're gonna do, what we're not gonna do, and uh, the ability to repent of sin when we fall, and the ability to pray and to, to really grow close to the Lord, to make good use of the time that's given us, amen. been listening to from the friars podcast the community of franciscan friars the renewal please visit us at franciscanfriars.com or on social media cfr underscore franciscans mm-hmm.